think a lot of people pleasers have a really hard time setting boundaries around their time. All of the women I work with have a really hard time saying no to requests of their time. And that stems from that always wanting to be available to please because we find a validation in that for ourselves. And so I think the first step is looking at yourself what and being really honest about what your needs are. And that's also work to do in relationships, like what in this relationship, especially as a people pleaser, what needs aren't being met for me. And that's a lot of work that I've done this year on myself and in terms of relationships. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Carve Your Own Fucking Path, a podcast made to inspire you to create a life and business on your own terms. You'll hear candid interviews with people who have boldly decided to blaze their own trail and the occasional solo show with me, your host. I'm Willa McDonough, on-camera coach, storyteller, and remote video producer. Five years ago, I moved from my home base of San Francisco to the coast of Portugal, taking a big leap into the unknown. Some called it courageous, I called it carving my own fucking path. Today I live in Lisbon and run a business that elevates your online presence, helping you show up confidently on camera to create videos that showcase your brand and personality so you can get more visibility and attract clients by being yourself. If you're just starting out in business or you've been doing it for a while, you're sure to pick up tidbits of actionable advice and hopefully feel inspired by stories from people who have chosen the unconventional and sometimes messy path. And if you've been waiting for a sign to start carving your own fucking path, this is it. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome. <laughs> da, da, da. Just kidding. I need like a cool like sound effect or something. Welcome to the podcast. Amy Sharir, you are a dear friend, an inspiration to so many, and a bright light in my life. We met a few years ago now, and we met in a coaching program. You are a master life and success coach, an NLP practitioner, EFT practitioner, and you have really embraced the somatic work with breath work and a stress release facilitator, you have dove into this field and it has been beautiful to watch you grow and blossom into the healer that that you are. And your focus has been on guiding women through midlife Mm -hmm. and helping them live more fulfilling lives, but, but helping them on a spiritual level, emotional level, energetic level, and transforming their lives Mm -hmm. from burnout to living with the most, with much more joy, let's say, and having fulfilling, you know, relationships and careers. And you know this really well because you came from burnout. Yeah. 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 Welcome. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction. I love you. I love you too. Uh, Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that I would have called it burnout in what was it, I guess, late 2017, early 2018. I just thought I hated my job. <laughs> to be really honest. I, I, you know, I was at a very pinnacle part of my career. I had worked, you know, almost 15 years in retail and you know, when I started in that, in that industry, I was really gung ho and was 
all about like, okay, I'm going to make it to, I'm going to make it to this position. I'm going to make it to the top. And I ended up being a VP of retail. At that time in 2018, I started to feel really disconnected with myself, feeling like I didn't really know exactly what I really truly wanted to do. Why did I feel so unfulfilled by this job that I had worked so hard to get for so many years? I felt very disconnected to my husband and to my friends. And I, and I assumed that it had to do with my job because I was traveling all the time. You know, I was flying coast to coast and flying into Canada and I had great, oh my gosh, I actually miss my status on American Airlines <laughs> a lot, but you know, yeah. I, I, I then became very angry at the job thinking that the job was really the reason why I felt so unfulfilled because I was tired. And then I started to get physical symptoms of actually it triggered some perimenopausal symptoms for me. And I also ended up having endometriosis, which got to a point of it was so bad in the end of 2018 that they were like, you're going to have to have a hysterectomy. And I was like, mm. I, I, I don't want that. <laughs> mm. I don't want that. And my pattern of, you know, self-care at that point was like going to get a facial and doing yoga. And I just hired a therapist in 2018 when I found out about the endometriosis and, you know, I just didn't know how to balance it all for myself. And I felt like I was showing up for my job and all of my relationships in a way that was it was just a lot. Like I was giving like all parts of me. And so the self-care was really more about just being alone and like having somebody mm-hmm. massage me or to give me a facial. Right. Right. And I, I will interject. I mean, I didn't know you back then, but I, I know this time in your life is this a big goal. I mean, you're living in New York city, you have the beautiful apartment, the big job, you're a total fashionista in that world. And on the outside, it was the vision or the kind of illustrating I've made it, I'm successful. You know, I have the, the status on the airline and you, you know, you're, you're on the go all the time. People you're a want, you're wanted. Yeah. Right. And that feeling of, okay, I've made it. And again, 15 years is a really long time to have this goal. And it's like, you know, on to the next, and then you just keep climbing. Can you describe a moment or the moment that you decided like, this is too much and I'm going to carve my own fucking path. Yeah. I'll never forget it. Actually. I was having a conversation with my boss and I actually shared with him in that conversation that what he was requesting of me was beyond my scope of what I could actually handle in the moment, that it was an untenable request. And I was told to pull up my bootstraps and that as an investor in the company, because we all own shares, right? That sometimes we needed to work, you know, and do things that we didn't want to do. And I went home and I cried because for me to say to somebody, I can't do that (laughs) was very hard. Like I had never, there, of course, like there have been times when I've had to say that to other people, but to say that to 
the CEO of this company and to be said, and, and have never requested anything prior to this, to be denied that and be told to work harder. I went home and I just, just had a meltdown. I just cried and cried and cried. And I remember my husband coming home and being like, oh my gosh, what happened? You know, and I told him what happened and I went to bed and that morning, the next morning I woke up, I put my feet on the floor and I turned around and looked at him and I said, I'm resigning today. Mm, the full so, body chills. Yeah. So I walked in wow. and I resigned mm. and, and I said, you know, I'm not just resigning from this job. I'm resigning from retail, but this is the end. I'm mm. retiring from retail. This is the end for me. I have to figure something out. My gut is telling me that I want to be somewhere in wellness. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that looks like. I have zero plans. This, this is, this is me starting to begin another part of my life. And so, yeah, a few months later, because they asked me to stay a few months because they were very surprised that I resigned. <laughs> um, They're like, what? You know? She's saying no? What? Saying, yeah. I guess that's... she really meant what she said yeah. yesterday when she said she could do it, right? Yeah. You know, I, I found myself with a lot of extra time because I didn't have a plan and mm -hmm. it took me like several months just to not feel like I always had to be somewhere or like yeah. doing something or in this constant, like frenetic state. My nervous system was completely shot that I would go from being really anxious to like just passing out on the couch in the middle of the mm -hmm. day, falling asleep. Wow. So yeah, like I, I, and then I was very, very angry at my boss at, at, at the time. And just, I blamed a lot of other people mm -hmm. for me being in this place. Okay. And I've since realized that it actually comes from a lot of stuff that happened to me that I've been coping with for many, many decades, mm -hmm. mostly starting as a child. So yeah. Okay. That's very powerful. And you did say this, you had this gut feeling about, okay, wellness, something's being, you know, pulling you this direction. So it clearly was on your, it was there for a while. It wasn't something that just like, this was almost like tipped you over the edge. And then you, you jumped, you know, without a parachute basically. Just, okay. When you envision the future, did you see any of this? It, it no. being at a, at a healer, nothing. Okay. That's incredible because again, there's not that long ago no. and, and you have embraced it. Like you've been doing this your whole life. And <laughs> so that's, that's very inspirational because a lot of people I think can't picture it or they, and if they don't picture it, then I think it's just not possible, you know? And so it is in that jumping without a plan that I, I think that's when you really get to discover, you know, your strengths. So after that happened, the nervous system, did you have any understanding of your nervous system at that point? Could you even talk about it? No. no. Yeah. I didn't even know it was my nervous system. You know? <laughs> right. I didn't yeah. even know that's what it was. I was just like, I mean, I knew it was stress, right? Mm -hmm. Like I knew I had been really stressed out. I didn't really understand we know what stress really was at the time. And, and I didn't know, I didn't appreciate how I didn't appreciate our bodies and how 
powerful our bodies are. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the only, and this is actually a component of it too, is I was actually really angry at my body for the endometriosis. And at this point then I had like digestive issues and like Mm. our hormones are all over the place. And I was actually mad at my body. Like you can't help me out here. Like what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. When the reality is, is that I had been ignoring a lot of truths for myself you know, for a very long time, not actually allowing myself to process emotion, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, being out of alignment with my own values, which is, which can cause a a big stressor for yourself. And yeah, like not being able to actually do anything about the stress. Like I was just sitting in the stress and the stress was being held in my body. And I didn't know other than like going to soul cycle like twice a day and, you know, walking in like six miles every day that there was more to regulating my nervous system than just exercise. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know any of that at the time. Right. That's the thing. Stress is, is thrown around a lot and it can look and show up in many different ways. So you're having these physical symptoms. Did you go into an MD and, and try to get something for it? Were they just giving you medication or putting you on certain things? No, no. I had a therapist. I still have the same therapist, actually. She's, mm-hmm. she, I mean, now that I am very openly spiritual, <laughs> I came out of this <laughs> She's actually been a gift for sure. She's been a gift in my life. And she really helped me so much with, you know, even though I've taken a lot of courses and classes, mm-hmm. to be honest, how I support my clients now is really based on what I've learned in that process of therapy for the last five years, which is, is really powerful. It's, and, and she's very good at giving me, like kind of teaching me what all of it means so we don't feel so, I don't know, A, like we're alone, B, like what I'm like unusual for feeling this way or like there's something wrong with me, you know, mm-hmm. actually this is what's happening in your body right now. Well, yeah, you feel, you felt that way because X, Y, Z, you know, and I think sometimes it's helpful to have a space where we feel seen and heard and validated just through experience, like expressing how we feel. I actually think a lot of us, especially in Western society, don't give ourselves that opportunity. So therapy really helped me. And I was, you know, I mean, I was all into like the wellness blogs and like reading goop all the time. Like, Ooh, what's this adaptogen? You know, I was into like, you know, new branded, like special meal plans, like Saqqara and like learned about sun potion and learned about adaptogens. So I still drink mud water, which is like a a coffee alternative with a bunch of adaptogens in it, which really does help to, to support your nervous system. They're all, it's all natural, like, you know, herbs and everything, but no, I was never diagnosed with anything. I was never given any medication. What I really just needed to do was rest (laughs) and and talk about some stuff that I hadn't talked about my entire life, you know, Mm -hmm. 
Right. So you grew up in, in, in not the easiest of, of scenarios. Could you talk a little bit about that and, and how that shows up and kind of, you talked about some of the coping, you know, what you did to, to sort of separate yourself or I guess cope with it. But at the time you were not necessarily conscious of the connections. No, for sure okay. not. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents, my amazing parents, I would, wouldn't have said that five years ago either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. They were very young when they got married. They were in their early twenties and they had me and they ended up divorcing when I was two. And so my dad stayed in California. My mom moved to Arizona where all of her family lives. And so much of my life was split between the two of them up until about the age of 13. My mother was a beautiful woman. And, you know, I know that I know now that there was a lot of trauma that she went through. She actually was born a blue baby. I don't know if you Mm. know what that is, but back when she was born in 1952, they didn't really know how to treat children that had heart problems. Okay. Because her heart had a hole in it, she actually was blue when she was born. Mm. She wasn't getting, I actually don't know specifically, but I know that she wasn't, her heart wasn't working properly. Um, And so when she was five, she was one of the first children in the United States to have open heart surgery. And I actually have the letters that my grandfather wrote to my great grandmother about my mom and her surgery. But there was this kind of this emotional feeling of like needing validation from men. And there were some situations that I got into with her where I felt really unsafe just with her choices as a 25 year old. Okay. Let's be honest at 25, I was super irresponsible (laughs) and to have a small child and be a single mom Mm -hmm. at that age. I can only imagine it was, it was really challenging for her and she never went to college. Like Money was really difficult for both of them. So much so that like, as an adult, it's become really important for me to always have food in the refrigerator because as a kid, you'd go into the refrigerator and there would be like, you know, orange juice, you know, and Mm -hmm. like, yeah. So, so yeah, it got to a point where my mom, I live with my mom primarily and would spend holidays with my father out in California he ended up remarrying when I was five and married a woman that really actually did the most damage for me as my stepmother. She was, I don't really know if she was ever diagnosed as being bipolar, but it was very hard to be around her. And I think my challenges with safety as a kid really came from a, like, you know, there not being as much presence with my father and be my stepmother who was, was emotionally abusive to me at many times. My mother and I. Unpredictable sounding like you didn't know what you were going to get. You didn't know what you were going to get, you know, and that was really hard for me to understand. Like, because my mother, even though she was very distracted and, you know, like, you know, that song looking for love in all the wrong places. Like that was probably my mom. God bless her. (laughs) and and you know she she was doing the best that she could at the time Mm -hmm. she was always very affectionate with me I never doubted that she loved me I never doubted that 
you know, she provided me with what she could. And I'll come back to this later because there's a really powerful thing that happened when I started to, to learn somatics about expressions of love. So mm. yeah, you know, what I've come to uncover through my therapy and through some of the courses I've taken is that from a very young age, probably about the age of five, I actually have a very vivid memory of stepping into the role of an adult with my mom. And, and it was because I didn't feel safe with a choice that she had made and felt like I needed to be the parent at that point, which disrupted everything for the dynamic of us. Right. My father was really focused on making money so he could pay the child support and support his wife. And like, so he wasn't that present. So what I've learned over time is that there's this, there are certain needs. And I don't know if your listeners know polyvagal theory, and I'm just starting to learn about it, but essentially for mammals, there are essential things that we need in order to feel safe. And it really comes down to a consistency in emotional and physical nurturance as a, as a child. And so I had a lot of inconsistencies and what that ended up showing up for me as was I ended up being an overgiver or a people pleaser, whatever it is that you want to call it. I basically regulated my nervous system to whatever, whatever everybody else needed, right? Because I wanted to feel validated and seen. When I did that, people would be like, thank you. You're so wonderful. I love you. You're always here for me. Like, I appreciate you so much, right? And then that was like my reward for, you know, being exactly what they needed in that moment. Disregarding like whatever emotions I was feeling or whatever I I was sitting with at that time, like just pushing it down, putting it someplace else. And so survival, you're just trying to survive. Survival. Yeah. yeah. It, the, the nervous system, is it, is it programmed? Let's use that word when you're in childhood, like with the subconscious mind, it's like zero to seven where you're soaking in everything. Is it, is it that when it's. Born, yeah, I guess? It's, a, it's designed specifically to support you in responding to danger. Right. And how to, how to respond or how, not maybe not even danger, but how to respond to a stimulus in your, in your environment that's requiring Mm -hmm. you to make a decision or to change. Right. And so, I mean, stress in itself is actually something, something coming into your environment where it's like, oh, you need to make a choice. Like, are you going to go left? Are you going to go right? Like, are you Mm going to answer the doorbell or are you going to ignore it? Are you going to answer your phone call? Are you going to respond? Like that is actually a stressor is because it's coming in and it's like, you have to like make a decision, right? Obviously when we were, you know, living more immersed in nature and we were hunters and gatherers, the stressors were a bit different and it was more around physical safety and physical like protection from wild beasts, right? (laughs) Or a neighboring tribe coming in to take your lady. Like, you know, (laughs) that's what we were really, our nervous systems were helping us. It was pretty, pretty clear cut. I mean, sure, if there was elements of like a drought or famine of something, that is actually a prolonged stressor. But in today's day and age, like we are constantly bombarded with needing to make decisions. 
and mm-hmm. being in a place of, you know, figuring out how do I sit with all of this and then also sit with like some of the emotional stuff that I'm feeling. Right. <clears throat> and we become like disconnected to, you know, what our body really needs in those moments. So yeah, I, I mean, essentially we're designed, we're all designed the same way with our nervous system response. Like something comes in, there's a lot of, you know, scientific things that happen in terms of like, mm-hmm. all the chemicals that, that come forward, bringing us into a place of like, you know, do we run, do we fight, do we freeze, do we fawn? Mm-hmm. And then after that, what happens? So really what's, what's supposed to happen is we're activated with the stressor and then we're supposed to, to actually mobilize it in some way, like get it out of our body. So that's why exercise usually feels so good for people that are experiencing a lot of stress because it's a way for them to release some of the energy that's created from a stressor. But there are lots of ways to mobilize stress. Talk therapy is one, singing, <clears throat> screaming into a pillow, breath work, obviously exercise, excuse <clears throat> orgasm like all of those things are mobilizations like stomping your feet is a mobilization so some of us are very good at like recognizing i'm so stressed i need to go for a run right Mm -hmm. part that we often miss is what happens after that is we need to go into a place of restoration of restoring like physically actually restoring our mitochondria in our cells so it can regenerate the energy we need in our body. And so if you are very active and you're like, I'm stressed, I'm going to go for two soul cycle rides, which is what I was doing. And you don't actually allow yourself to fully rest. And by full rest, I mean, you don't do anything. Like you're just either sleeping or you're laying in front of the fire and you're like, or on the beach, if you're in Portugal and you're not actually (laughs) thinking or reading or texting or on your phone, like you are in full Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and after the rest it's about sitting with okay what was that like let me learn more about that stressor like what is the feeling underneath it what is the emotion behind it because that's if we are in a feeling of like fight or flight or feeling like we're unsafe and it's not a a tiger charging at us you know what is it about that stressor that's creating this activation within us Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just, you know, it's, you're about to give a speech, right? Like that is for many people, a stressor and coming out of it is like, okay, you know, like, I feel like I've learned a lot from that. You know, what can I, how can I reframe this for myself? What would feel supportive for me, like in the future? So it's really about the physical and emotional aspects of it. So if you're doing only the physical mobilization, yeah. you're <laughs> skipping the rest and you're not actually getting an understanding of the emotion, which emotion is just energy and motion. You're not actually completing the entire stress response cycle. You're only going or doing certain segments. So if you're only doing the emotional work, you're not actually mobilizing any of it. Right. So it's fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. So breath work, this is again, something you, you are very good at. I mean, you're really, really, really good. And that would be I'm just thinking of all the sessions and I'm like, it's, it feels like a full cycle of the emotional, the physical, 
I don't know, is, would that be an example of something where you could have the full cycle and really move through, through some trauma? Okay. Yeah. I mean, for some, for some breath work, isn't the right mobilization because sometimes breath can bring you back into a fight or flight. So if you have PTSD or high anxiety, sometimes breath work isn't the best mobilization. For most of us, we will find great release and great impact from doing a breathwork session. And to be honest, like for me, the reason I got into somatic work was because of breathwork, because I, we were, what was in the middle of the pandemic, 2020, <laughs> And I was like, oh, breathwork, this sounds interesting. And I signed up for the certification and I'll never forget my first breathwork experience, which ended up usually in my journeys, you breathe for 45 minutes. I think Shanila had us breathe for 90 minutes the first time. And I was like, where am I? I had no idea where I was in life. I was like, am I even on earth? (laughs) For people that have not done it, it is, it is out, out of body. The most, I say it's the. It's the highest high you could get without drugs. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. So. I mean, you actually release DMT. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You release DMT as you're breathing, mm-hmm. so, which is why a lot of people call it psychedelic breath work now too. Okay. And that's just because your body holds these beautiful natural chemicals in your body. So mm-hmm. breath work actually helped me to what we call in the healing world, integrate some of the Mm -hmm. lessons around my childhood in just one session. It helped me to see my mother in a different way. I connected with her spiritually, which I didn't think was possible. And I learned a lot about my father. Mm -hmm. I still had some work to do around my stepmonster. I called her my stepmonster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My stepmother. (laughs) But yeah, I learned so much from a lot of things that I couldn't have like gained insight or understanding with just with therapy right mm-hmm. like I understood there oh this is a missing piece like it's not just about the mind but it's also about the body mind like the body holds so much of what we don't actually allow ourselves to sit with it holds positive things just as much as it holds things that are quote-unquote trump traumatic for us mm-hmm. right like some things maybe we've just held on to that we just haven't wanted to sit with So that's when I started to learn more about somatic healing and learned about, you know, how we hold on to stress in our body. The Body Keeps Score is an amazing book on this. Mm -hmm. If anyone's interested, it's pretty clinical, but it's actually fascinating, fascinating work on. Yeah. And the man who wrote the book used to work with Vietnam veterans and he Mm -hmm. learned so much working with them. So yeah, I did a lot of that breath work and somatic work and started integrating it into my practice with my clients. And then I was like, you know, really what I want to do is help people with regulating their nervous system and helping them to manage mm-hmm. their stress. Because throughout this whole portion of my journey and coming to where I am now in my business, I, I had to actually sit with myself and realize that the burnout didn't come <laughs> from my job. Like, yeah, it was untenable. The requests that he was making were untenable, but I didn't necessarily need to end my career. If I had known some simple techniques to manage my stress and 
to know how to sit with my emotion and actually like feel my feelings, like feel Mm -hmm. your feelings. You don't, you don't have to worry about Joe Schmo's feelings over there. Like you can just sit with yours and like allow yourself to feel sad, allow yourself to feel angry, allow yourself to just sit with what is coming forward for you right now. And then set some boundaries for yourself. Like, goodness gracious, like I had zero boundaries because I was born to just like do and please everybody else in my surrounding in order to feel safe, right? And so my whole life, I have been thinking and considering everybody else's feelings and not my own. You are the boundaries queen now. Well, I mean, it's always a work in progress. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But um, you, you teach a lot about this. And so I, whenever I think about boundaries, I, I think of you because it's, it's something that you've had to really work on because of the people pleasing. And, and like you just said, putting other people before you. And these are subconscious things, of course. This is not something totally. that you realized until a couple of years ago, which the, the people pleasing is a trauma response, right? Mm-hmm. It is. And so it's from childhood when you had to do things to please others. And what would be a boundary, let's say, so so learning this, I think a lot of people can identify with being some you know version of people pleasing. How do you what would be a boundary to set, for example, to kind of turn things around? And what what boundaries yeah. have you set for yourself? Well, honestly, before I jump into just making boundaries, I I have sat with my own needs mm-hmm. because honestly, if I'm just like, I'm going to set a boundary about, you know, I don't want to talk about politics, which that's an easy <laughs> one for me to set. Cause I actually don't <laughs> want to talk about politics. Um, mm-hmm. but, like, let's talk about a more serious boundary for yourself, right. Where, you know, you around your time, you know, I think a lot of people pleasers have a really hard time setting boundaries around their time all of the women I work with have a really hard time saying no to requests of their time. And that stems from that always wanting to be available to please, because we find a validation in that for ourselves. And so I think the first step is looking at yourself, what, and being really honest about what your needs are. And that's also work to do in relationships, like what in this relationship, especially as a people pleaser, what needs aren't being met for me. And that's, a lot of work that I've done this year on myself and in terms of relationships. From your needs, you can identify what your values are. And those those two things together can help you set not only boundaries with others, but also boundaries with yourself. Because from what I've learned about people pleasing, half the time, if you say no, like the other person's like, okay, no problem. Like, or you mm-hmm. say, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's totally do it next weekend. It's not a problem, right? So the boundary is really with me and saying like, I want you, like you, your boundary is to sit with yourself and actually ask yourself, does this feel good? Does this feel good to me? And so it's time with yourself to really get some insight on what you want. And for people that people please, honestly, hello, <laughs> don't know what they want. They've lived their yeah. whole life not worrying about what they want. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's really, mm-hmm. it's really hard for us to like recognize that and sit with it. A lot of it 
comes from, you know, doing emotional, emotional timeline work. So I use time techniques to release the top five and they're really, it's like such an epiphany when you learn about your emotions and like where a lot of this comes from and you release a lot of energy from your past and then really recognizing what your needs are. And then it's just like, it's not, it doesn't feel like you're saying no, because you just feel like you have to say no, because you have to make a boundary. It's more like, actually I'm, my time today is about me or my time today is about spending it with X from, you know, today, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to say no today. However, I'd really enjoy having tea with you in a few weeks or whatever it might be, because you're, you're doing it from a place that feels really centered in who you are. And it's not just about like, no, you know, it's not just like, Mm -hmm. I have to set boundaries for my time because I'm supposed to do Right. Right. It's like there's real meaning behind it. And people pleasers are very sensitive. They're very, very sensitive. Many of them are empathic. Many of them have a real gift with being sensitive. And like many times I was told, oh, you're so sensitive. Like you're so feeling all the time. You're so sensitive. It's actually a gift like Mm -hmm. to be that in tune with a room that you walk into or the shifts in like someone's energy, that's a gift. Like that is, yeah. that is a beautiful gift that we have. And it also can get us in trouble sometimes. So it's about being able to set those boundaries with yourself and whether they be physical, emotional, you know, energetic boundaries that you create. Mm-hmm. And really it's, it's unlearning the patterns of, you know, what you, you felt you needed to do when you were young to be safe and giving yourself that grace and compassion to that little person that made that decision. And yeah, like letting some of that move on from you since that point, you have been doing the best that you absolutely could to bring a sense of safety and like feeling of worthiness in in many respects in your life. So it's not about going back and like beating yourself up. It's about giving yourself love and compassion that perhaps is what you really needed in that moment. Do you catch yourself a lot still having to either stop the, that pattern of people pleasing because it's so ingrained? Yeah. So, you know, in the work that I do, we, we start with like learning about the nervous system and learning how to attune yourself. Just like you would, you know, tune up a, an instrument, like your body is an instrument. So attuning to your body, reconnecting with your body. Oftentimes in trauma, you dissociate from your body. So learning to reconnect with it. And then we do some of the emotional work which then brings us into, you know, set, learning your needs and your values. And then it's about now, because really at that point, you're like, I actually feel like I'm, I'm in relationship with myself in a way that I've never been. You know more about you, right? And then it's about how do I show up with other people now? Because I've been so like in my bubble of learning about me, how do I show up and be in relation to say my partner or my best friend or my mother or my daughter, Right. And so here's the thing, like the last year and a half, I've been in that space of 
being me and we're always evolving, right? But like being this version of me in relation to others while still maintaining this presence of me. And it really comes down to being really vulnerable. The V <laughs> word. Is, it can feel a little scary for a lot of yeah. The big V word, right? <laughs> and like starting to, because many times like, as much as, as much as people pleasers are sensitive and are about giving, they have a really hard time being vulnerable with other people. And mm-hmm. so it's like a protection. It's like a safety thing. Right. And whew, so getting activated, just talking about it, um, you know, even like allowing yourself to like break down that barrier takes time. And that's where I tend to, to really guide individuals to like mm-hmm. take it slow like there's no rush in just being super vulnerable in front of yeah. people yeah it's true you don't want to retreat it was like retreat retreat you know mm-hmm. so this year I have been focused on friendships and learning unlearning some behaviors that I've had in friendships I mean part of this started with just working with my husband and like starting to say no to things. Like I'd always Mm -hmm. do whatever he wanted to do because I was a people pleaser. (laughs) And now I feel like, I'm like, no, I don't want to walk around the golf course with you for like four hours. I actually would like to go for my own hike and like, Mm -hmm. you know, do or sit with the puppy or watch Law and Order, like whatever, you know, which by the way, Law and Order is still a favorite of mine. Yeah, SV. That's the best. Totally SVU. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I was going to say. I like the, I like the really old ones. Like yes. season like two has some <laughs> real, some real beauty. Yeah. That's a good show. So yeah. anyway, like just, <laughs> yeah. And there's so many reruns. Like you can watch them like forever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So working on my relationships has been about me being more honest about what I need in the relationship. And so, yeah, starting with the person that you trust the most, which in my case is my husband and, you know, telling him, giving him some insight into my history. He didn't know because I didn't share this, but when I was 13, my mother actually abandoned me and left me. And he didn't know that. I never, I never shared any of that with, with anybody about the real history, you know, Mm -hmm. and giving him that insight was like, Oh my God, everything makes so much sense now. You know, like now I understand and him holding me accountable to being really honest about what I want to do in that moment. He'll be like, you know, is that really what you want to do? Or are you just saying that because you think that's what I want to hear? Right. And sometimes you need a friend or a a family member to help you with that. So he's helped me get to a place where I know that I can be honest about how I feel and honest about my needs and he won't leave. Right. Because really my family was abandoned at at some point. Mm -hmm. So now it's about re-navigating friendships. And I learned recently I had to sit with this. This was like one of those shadow work moments where you realize, oh, yeah, I want all of my friendships to be this feeling of balance. However, in each friendship I've ever created, it's been about me showing up and offering myself in whatever capacity that other person needs and never sharing 
about myself, like I did with my husband, they were talking about the deepest parts of me that are really vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. not being honest about how I feel that day. Like, how are you today? I'm great. I'm fine. I'm good. You know, yeah. no problem. Like <laughs> 90% of the time I wasn't right. Wow. Yeah. So I've had conversations recently and they've been really, I'll just say expansive in a, in the mm-hmm. sense that stretch me beyond my comfort zone. And I just had to say, listen, this is what I've recognized that I've created this dynamic of me being like a mentor or a big sister or a leader in this relationship. And I would, I, this is an invitation for us to shift the dynamic of this friendship into one in which it feels a bit more balanced and it's not about me being your big sister. And it's been very well received. Of like sweating, just talking about yeah. it. Oh, and that's a lot. To, yeah. it, and just even in any relationship, being really vulnerable because that's what you're describing is being so vulnerable. And regardless of the response, you're doing it anyway, you know, at risking whatever outcome may happen. Yeah. So, and I'll tell you the reason. And this is why I'm really careful about pushing people into vulnerability because it's not, it's because I felt safe in myself finally Mm -hmm. to, to say those things. It wasn't because, I mean, yeah, the person was like, no, I want, I mean, no one has said that, but no, (laughs) I like this dynamic. Like I want you to keep doing, you know, but it's not about them saying no. It was about me not feeling safe. And mm-hmm. I think that's a big, that's a, there's a big difference between those two. And really you can source that safety within yourself. And it really, it really comes with connecting to your body. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so the somatic piece for me helped me to remember how to feel safe in my body to mm-hmm. where that it might really hurt me if this person denies that or says no, I know I'll be safe and I know that I'll be okay. Like I can genuinely say that in relationships with other people now. So, so yeah, I now have the capability to, to, to regulate myself in those moments, to sit and have capacity and resiliency to the stressor of having those conversations, mm-hmm. <laughs> even reliving that and like sweating and like, Ooh, take out your arm. <laughs> you know, do the weird dance yeah. <laughs> and be like, okay, like you will still be safe. You'll still be here. You, you have you, right? Like you have mm-hmm. your back, you know who you are, you know, you're doing this from a place of like authenticity and genuine love. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's big. It's the safety within yourself because the, there's so much, I think, put on the other person. This person doesn't make me feel that way. And so, so what you're saying is that once you find that you can create safety for yourself, it, it's not as scary to have the uncomfortable moments to say no, to potentially disrupt a relationship or something like that. So what are some of the tools that, that you use? You've talked about breath work, but something that let's say someone can't get to a session, they don't even know where to find it. What are some other ways that you, that you can regulate and, and yeah. feel safe? Yeah. I mean, 
it can be as simple as just taking five minutes and stepping away from, like I step away from my desk because this is where like I'm really engaged with a lot of people and just sitting with yourself and being like, high feet, I know it's not wild, but like, <laughs> but like, you know, closing your eyes and saying, high feet, high knees, maybe even touching them remembering that your body is like, you are, you aren't just here, like roaming around in this space, but you're actually contained in this, in this physical body. And it's providing you a natural boundary of protection, right? Hi heart. Like you're beating for me. Thank you. Like hi ears. You're listening for me. Thank you. Like you're not like we often think that it's, it's separate from us, but we're all together. So I'll often just sit with myself and <laughs> this sounds funny, like touch myself and like my <laughs> elbows and like, and just be like, Oh no, I'm here. Like I'm here. I'm in this, I'm in this place. The other thing I do when I go into a place of feeling really overwhelmed, mm-hmm. which is a, I think that a lot of people can relate to yeah, is, yeah. I have my pillow and sometimes emotional overwhelm can come up when you're like feeling, it it might come up into a feeling of feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. And really what you need in that moment is this feeling of containment. So I wrap my arms around my pillow, pressing up it against my chest and my belly. And it provides this feeling of safety, like within myself. I feel contained. Mm -hmm. If if you were working with me, I'd say, okay, what like parts of you need to be acknowledged right now, right? It's also getting to know like, this is a whole other conversation, but like the parts, I know you know about parts integration, Mm -hmm. it's about getting to know those parts and that's based in like internal family systems. And there's a lot of somatic work you can do with your parts. So bringing in a feeling of containment really provides a lot of feeling of safety. And also it brings you back to that feeling of nurturance. Like the pillow is not asking anything of you. The pillow is actually created to support you. Like legit, mm-hmm. like you go and you buy a store. Oh, you need back support. You need, you know, are you a side mm-hmm. sleeper? Um, right. <laughs> so it's sole purpose and like support you. And so it's here, like you lean, you lean on it. It's not going to expect anything from you. You can just feel whatever you need to feel and feel that feeling of pressure up against your belly and your chest, which is obviously that many people feel that reassurance with this, you know, baby sleeping on the mama's chest. Like there's, there's something about that connection that really helps. So those are two ways that I do it. Honestly, throughout the day, I, I, my mother's, the 23rd anniversary of my mother's death was on Sunday. Mm. And it was really significant for me. And I sat on that couch over there and held my pillow and bawled and said all of the things I wanted to say, let it all come out. Like, it's not fair. I miss you. It's been like, it feels like yesterday, like all of the things Mm. that you say in that moment and just allowing yourself to feel your feelings. The pillow provides it provides this feeling of safety for you to express. And in my work, like now it's hilarious, like not hilarious. It's beautiful. (laughs) 
every client comes to a session with a pillow because they're like, oh. my pillow, I need my pillow uh-huh. today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those tips. I've never heard of the pillow. Yeah. The pillow Hating a pillow. Like, yeah. In screaming fact, into a pillow. Screaming into a pillow, but actually just holding the pillow and letting it feel like someone's hugging you or like if you bring it up under your chin and like you're resting your head on someone's shoulder. Yeah. That's why a king size pillow is really nice. Mm-hmm. Just to exp- just experience it and see what happens for you. You may start okay. crying. Yeah, I'm interested in what that would yeah be like. When I, I a, yeah. when I was working in when I was in just want to share this one thing because it'll bring us back to the beginning. But when I was in my somatic stress release class, I mean, he taught us about the pillow and the pillow work. We did a whole like. 20 minute like movement meditation with the pillow. And there was a moment where I was lying on the floor with the pillow and holding it like, like up to my chest. And I extended my arm out. He's like, okay, everybody extend your heart, your arm away from the pillow, just one arm. And there was a reason for that. It has to do with leaving this place of security and seeing what happens. Right. And so when I did that, all of a sudden, like it was like, like a slide reel, like a fast, like, you know, like old slides that you would watch on like that thing, that rotating thing mm-hmm. coming through of memories of how my stepmother mm-hmm. and my dad and my mom used to express their love to me through food. Oh, like my mom would take, like my stepmother would take me to get fajitas and like, that was my favorite food then. And like my dad would make <laughs> you know, this cheeseburger or my mom would take me here. My dad would take me to Winchell's in California for a donut back then. Or like food was their way of expressing that they were listening to me because they would give me my favorite foods and that they were nurturing me. So Mm -hmm. even though they didn't show up all the time emotionally, even though they physically weren't present all of the time, they did love me, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was a powerful moment so that's what I say like your body isn't just remembering all the bad things it's re- it's helpful in remembering and helping you to, to fill out the picture like mm-hmm. and in that moment I had been only thinking about all the bad stuff that had happened to me as a kid yeah. and the reality is I was really loved you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was really really loved by a lot of people so mm-hmm. and it was like a movie screen yeah, it was, it was wild. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you watch a movie and that person is like having the life flash before their mm-hmm. eyes, it was similar in that experience of like a flood of like 30 memories came through and it was mm-hmm. all just being my, me extending my arm out. That's all I had to do. That's how the body is so powerful yeah. in storing this information. It does, it actually connects to your mind and it says, mind, remember this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Wild. Did you tell your teacher? I did. It was like one of the only times I actually, actually commented and he was like, I'm so happy that happened for you because, because he said so many of us focus on the absence of things. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And the body does hold things that are really powerful for us to have a full picture of, of everything that was happening in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't negate like some of the things that did happen, but it doesn't make it feel so one-sided in one direction. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. It's 
not so black and white. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing is we're taking it all in and trying to make sense of it. And then it's, it's getting stored and that's why smells are so powerful and certain things that just bring us right back. So it, it just shows that we can focus in on those things too. Instead of again, all the, the harder moments and going back to the feeling you're feeling, because I know you're really focusing on that with your clients and, and yourself. Is that also the concept around letting go? That's an amazing book that I've read a few times, but I know you have as well. It's, it's, allowing the feelings to surface and experience them so that they can mm-hmm. flow through. Is that sort of the same concept? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Actually an emotion really will only last in your body 60 to 90 seconds. If you allow yourself mm-hmm. to feel your feelings. That's so it. we're taught, yeah, but we're taught to keep it together mm-hmm. as women, like Definitely. we're allowed to cry, but we're not allowed to be mad. You know, right? And you're like, that woman's. She needs to get control over herself. You know, and I feel so much compassion for men because they were raised to not cry. You know, and Mm -hmm. like we're shamed for crying. And so that's actually really detrimental to your physical body in so many ways. Yeah, you can actually research how, like, where if you hold sadness or where if you hold shame or anger like what organs that affects and that's like that's scientific like I mean emotions are just energy so if it's stuck there mm-hmm. certain frequency it can do damage over time so yeah feeling your feelings just allow yourself to feel them and sometimes you might be caught up in the day and you're not like able to sit like you're in the middle of a meeting and somebody says something <laughs> totally inappropriate and it it's a stressor for you it's okay to say, I'm going to come back to this, but just come, make sure you go back to it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Don't so let even, sit, like, you don't have to sit there in the, in the meeting and be like, excuse me, I have to feel my feet. <laughs> so pissed off. I have like a red card, like. <laughs> Tap out. Yeah. Okay. So you can come back to it because. Go to the bathroom or yeah. go on a walk after the meeting. Okay. You can table it. It's just important to come back to it like it's just a temporary mm-hmm. like I'm putting it on the shelf for the next 30 minutes and then I'm going to go outside and scream into a pillow because that dude was super inappropriate or whatever mm-hmm. you know okay. um, so I'm curious about that because if you so you table the emotion you come back to it what if you can't come back to it let's say you just you're you can't tap into that sadness or the anger does that mean it's then stored Oh, you'll be able to. Oh, okay. Yeah. If Unless there's like resistance to you feeling it at all, then there's some work to do around the emotion. If it's, if I know I work with, with women that have something come up for them in that week and then we sit with it and like, okay, like, first of all, let's acknowledge what's here in your body right now. And it may come up immediately. It, it might come up right away. Or they might say, I feel good. You know, and I'm like, "Mm -hmm." and then, and then I'm like, okay, so what activation or what stressor do you want to work with today? Well, my husband and I had this conversation and and then like, and you can see physically their bodies start to shift because 
your body doesn't know what's real or imagined. It doesn't know mm-hmm. that it happened three days ago. Like your, your mind is, it's sitting in your mind. Cause it's like, it's like in the like inbox of things to get processed essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So for you to move it from the inbox to the outbox, it's like, I need to like actually acknowledge what was happening for me in that moment. It doesn't take very much effort for you to bring that forward. And working with me, you learn, you actually have a toolbox of things that you go to in order to sit with it and feel safe doing it. And like, learn to listen to your body and what is it that it needs? Like sometimes specific emotions need containment. Sometimes specific emotions need you to like scream into a pillow and you'd be surprised. It's not the same for everybody, right? It's Mm -hmm. kind of the it's kind of just working with it and getting, that's also part of you getting to know yourself better, like being in deeper relationship with yourself. When you physically are like, okay, body, what do you need? And it's like, I really need to scream right now. Okay. So let's go grab our pillow (laughs) and scream. Right. And not scream at someone. Cause that's the thing is, is the expression is, is important, but it's also in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's being conscious yeah. of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you are essentially in charge of your own feelings, right. Which mm-hmm. is, it's great. It's great to know that because that means that you're not in charge of anybody else's feelings, mm-hmm. but it does mean that you have the responsibility to do the work and express yourself in a way that isn't perhaps triggering to somebody else. I mean, you have no responsibility over how they're going to feel. However, if you want to show up in a place that's constructive in that relationship, it's important that you allow yourself to get that energy out. It's likely also that if you're sitting with that trigger and it wants you to scream, that perhaps it's related to something much more in your past that you haven't sat mm-hmm. with yet, if that makes sense. Yeah. So an example for me is that I used to cry all the time. It didn't matter what emotion it was. I just would cry. Mm. It was like always crying. <laughs> And now I actually don't really cry that much because I was able to get to underneath like the anger stuff and some of the shame that would bring me into this place of wanting to be tearful and express it in a way that was actually beneficial to me. That was the mobilization for that emotion for me. So mm-hmm. that if you tend to blow up and say things that you don't really mean in the moment, it's likely that there's a different there's a different way of, of expression that might be more supportive for you. But yeah, you know, I, I actually think of, <laughs> have you ever seen the movie inside out? Probably not. Mm. Pixar. Oh no. It's all about your. It's new, <laughs> right? No, it's a few years old. It's probably okay. like five years old. Okay. Anyway, I always recommend my clients to watch it because it's, it's kind of the personification of feelings and you getting to like, imagine like what your, what your feelings would look like or like <laughs> how they would show up That's and befriending funny. them a little bit and being like, Oh, anger's here, you know, and knowing her and getting to know her, like what mm-hmm. she needs in those moments. It actually mm-hmm. really, really, really helps. Oh, I'm going to watch that movie because I love that idea of, of seeing a visual it also reminds me of this movie. What the bleep do we know? Oh, oh yeah. amazing film. Very similar with their, the, the emotions were uh, characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually also how I work with parts. 
you know? Yeah. It makes a huge difference because mm-hmm. it feels like you can relate to somebody. You can relate mm-hmm. to it, right? It's not just this like esoteric, like, you know, organic thing. Like, oh yeah, well, my anger looks like this. You know, she's yes. like, wear high heel, wears high heels and a leather jacket. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And that, and so in that work or in, let's say personifying it, you can befriend it in a way and just say, okay, this is what she needs right now. This is what, okay. So sadness, this is what she needs instead of expressing it and potentially, you know, damaging a relationship or, or blowing up. Because I also, again, from this book, the letting go, when you do express it, it doesn't really allow it to move through. It keeps it alive. And I thought that was really fascinating too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's because it's more about mobilizing the energy around it and then like mm-hmm. sitting with what's really what's really happening right now for you. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. So yeah, she said something and I totally forgot what I was gonna say. Um <laughs> when that hello. <laughs> coffee. I know. <laughs> yeah. So Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I have a client that I was working with earlier this week who is working on her dynamics and relationships. And she tends to say things that are hurtful because she's defending herself. And so she actually employs tapping. In the moment. In the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm feeling judged right now, which is bringing me this feeling of being angry. And just like recognizing that it's what's happening isn't like really a threat to her in that moment. It's more about what she needs to unlearn and her getting to a place where she can like honor her feelings in that moment. And also like bring herself to a place where she can express herself in a way that is more true and more aligned to how Mm -hmm. she really feels, right? Rather than being about defending herself and saying like things that she doesn't really mean you know Mm -hmm. so yeah being emotionally aware and like learning to regulate your nervous system is really what like relationships are all about and I know we talked about this before we started recording but we had a guest on that was like oh the best time to work on yourself is when you're in a relationship with someone else and I can't agree more (laughs) Like, because you could, I mean, it's good to do a both, right? However, when you are in relationship Mm -hmm. with someone else, you have to learn how to navigate who you are with somebody else's stuff too. Like we all have stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We all have stuff. Right. And so it's a whole, it's like the 300 level of like emotional awareness for yourself and learning how to navigate in life. Mm -hmm. This is life-changing work, what you're doing with people. It changed your life, obviously. And now you're, you're helping so many people navigate their lives in this way. And what are some of the things you're offering right now? Because I know you have so many things that you have on offer. Yeah. From, so if you could, I'll link your, your links, but some of the things that you're really excited about. Yeah. And I'm happy to give, give a a free meditation to your listeners. Mm -hmm well, the grounding and centering meditation. So I actually only have two big things that I'm offering, currently offering. 
The first is my 90 day healing program that I basically kind of explained earlier, but it's essentially what I, what I would have wanted in 2017 had I known I needed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Still in the blame game of like, <laughs> all about my job. Um, so the 90 day healing program, we go through nervous system regulation, you getting, you know, back in tune with your body, doing some emotional work, uncovering the root causes of a lot of your emotions and befriending them, allowing yourself to feel your feelings. Then we go into identity work, which is actually the needs and values, like who am I? A lot of that work is really powerful, especially coming out of the nervous system piece and the emotional work. We start to identify actually in those moments in my past, what I really needed was this. And that speaks, moves you into your boundaries and the boundaries that you want to set with yourself and for yourself. Um, And then we go into relationship work because there's, like I said, you know, you've done all this work on yourself. The reality is we can't get through life without being in a relationship with other people. There's just no way unless you're like on the moon. (laughs) That sounds sounds very isolated. (laughs) I don't think you should do that. No. Um, So the 90 day healing program is what I offer. I also offer mini retreats, which is a one-on-one five-day immersion with me where we can focus on one specific area of your healing. It's great if you're a busy person and you only have a few weekends out of a month or a year Mm -hmm. or quarter or whatever to do some work. We go deep. I had one yesterday and it was really powerful around emotional release, but I've also done them around relationships. And then I do breath work, virtual breath work and in-person breath work. If you're in the Woodstock area, I host a monthly breath work in Socrates, hoping to expand to more places in the coming year. And there'll be potentially a couple of other offerings starting in 2023, but yeah, you can find all of that on my website and access to it through Instagram. It's great. The breath work, again, I have to speak talk it up and it's virtual and i think it's it's incredible and it it, because breath work i've I've mainly done virtual so i have to say it's it's just as powerful if not more in a way to be virtual you're in your own space comfort of your home and everything like that so definitely recommend it okay i do oh yeah oh sorry i was gonna say (laughs) i do private single sessions and then i also Mm. do one free community breathwork a month. That's usually the first week, first Saturday of every month. And you can find the link to that on Instagram or also my website. Okay. And I do recommend your Instagram too, for a lot of great content, a lot of reels, a a lot of educational content around all all of this stuff. So you're really killing it on IG. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So what, and I asked two questions at the end. Okay. Those are the only two questions I come up with. <laughs> they're the same. They're the same. I mean, what are you most proud of up until right now? Mm, yeah. I think I am the most proud of being in a place where I don't see my past as my enemy. That's big. I love the way you answered that. 
<laughs> after all your achievements, like who cares about that? You know, it's yeah, peace with the past. Yeah, peace with the past, mm -hmm. and actually, I do feel at peace. You know, I do feel at peace, and I think knowing your past and understanding yourself in your past is pivotal in, in feeling that peace. It's just, there's a lot of unresolved things you don't understand or questions that need to be answered or emotions that need to be expressed. And you can, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to take a long time. Like that's a mindset shift that I think many of us could start to make. Your path to healing doesn't have to feel like, you know, 30 years of therapy and yeah, being at peace with the past. Mm -hmm. So looking forward now, you've made peace with the past. What are, what are you most looking forward to right now? Yeah, I, I'm really excited to experience myself in relationships with other people that are very fulfilling for me as well as they are for them and also helping others to be in that place for themselves like if we could all be in that place where we could be really honest and vulnerable with the most important people in our lives I feel like the world would be very different transformational yeah this feels like it's a, it's a whole new chapter for you yeah it definitely does it feels I feel very like I said I feel very at peace you know mm -hmm. it makes sense like when you learn more about somatic work and nervous system work you realize that the stuff, the patterns are coming up, the patterns are repeating because it's unresolved. It doesn't yeah. mean you're broken. It just means that there's something that you need to go back to and reread. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I am excited to bring this feeling to more, you know, individuals in the world that are ready for it, that are desiring it for themselves. And it all starts with just giving yourself the time and the space and the permission to, you know, experience healing. And, you know, you won't always need somebody to support you. Like I have a support team, an energetic support team to help me with shifting stuff, but you will learn in this practice what you what you need and what your needs are. And so that in itself is really powerful, you know, to feel that embodiment of like, I'm here, I'm safe, I'm at peace. I know, I know what I need and I know how to ask for what I need. And I could not do that in 2018. I was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. What are you the most excited about? <laughs> oh, you're turning, turning it on me. Oh, that's a, oof, what am I most excited about? Well, I have to say there's things coming up that, that I are saying, you need to heal this. You need to look at this. And so just hearing you say like making peace and really 
using the tools because I may know the tools, I may have learned them, but am I really implementing them? Mm, not as much. So I think putting that work at the forefront would be something because I know that that will make the biggest difference mm-hmm. in all yeah. things and, and relationships and everything. So I would say that would be the, I could say other things, but, but if, if I'm really honest, like the real, the real, real would be, would be that kind of, that kind of work prioritizing it again, because it affects every area of life. And, and so I'm fortunate to, to know people like you and, you know, and see before my eyes, what, what is possible when you really put it into practice. Yeah. Yeah. And And it's, it's a lifelong process for sure. You know, and it's, it's nice to have someone guiding you. Like it's nice to have mm-hmm. someone like, giving you a third person perspective. And it's nice to have somebody that is just holding that space for you that perhaps you have not had right. maybe in a long time or ever. And yeah, I mean, and holding you accountable to doing the work. It's easy when you're in a pattern of not doing it to be like, oh, I don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> right. I know that for sure. And there have been moments where people have been like, nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> no, and I'm like, <laughs> so I, I so understand the, the reticence. I, mm-hmm. I can relate to it and I, you know, I know what that feels like. So yeah, I think that's great. I mean, Hey, most of us, it's not about necessarily having a ton of money or like having like you know, finding your soulmate, it's actually like, I just want to feel at peace. Like mm-hmm. if I could find that within myself, you know, A, imagine what my life could actually look like. And also, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily need to always be searching for something to fill that void, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, oh, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Filling the void. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking of, yeah, the buffering, which I used to touch on that a lot about the, the, the ways in which we avoid feeling. It's the opposite of feeling your feelings. It's how can I not feel them, push it off. And it shows up in many different ways, but yeah, it just, it prolongs it. That's the thing. And then we get in that cycle of pushing, pushing. This was wonderful. We could keep talking on and on and on. Thank you so much for welcoming me onto your podcast. And I'm so glad. It's been a long time coming. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being here. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference for visibility. And even better, share this episode with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode every other Wednesday. If you're interested in working together to elevate your online presence, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram at whereiswillow. I also hang out on LinkedIn, Willow McDonough. Until then, cheers to carving your own fucking path. I love you.